Well then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning, as, uh, as all these scares with the coronavirus is going on and people are self-quarantining to, uh, to be extra precautious, um, we in this congregation have done a really cool thing with this radio ministry and with our live streaming to be able to continue to preach the gospel to people even in their homes. So um, as I was encouraged by a wise member this morning, a special greeting to those on our live stream today and on the radio who are listening in. Uh, my hope is that you will hear this gospel message and be encouraged and find hope in our Lord Christ, but also to be challenged in your own faith. What we have been doing Sorry to you members who are very aware of this. What we've been doing is trying to challenge ourselves in our faith using something called the Red Letter Challenge, where we are following, as many translations of Scripture do, the, the words of Jesus are read. And so we are following those words of Jesus in this challenge, in our being, in our forgiving, in our loving, in our serving, in all that we are. And as we have continued on in things... We are now in this week of serving. Well, now, as, as I think about serving, and you might be like me on this, when I think about being challenged in the faith, my mind jumps to service, right? That, uh, that it doesn't flow out of my being or my forgiveness. My mind immediately, I have a little image of somebody helping someone, feeding the homeless, providing uh, blankets or something to people in need. But yet, as we continue to walk through this challenge, what we see is it's much more than just something like that. Not saying that that is irrelevant or wrong to, to serve somebody in need, but there is more to who we are in God than just serving people in need. What we realize is, at the beginning of this all, is this problem of sin. And the problem of sin is what separates us from God. So often it is a very plain and simple breaking of the first commandment. We have other gods besides the true God. Nine times out of ten, we are those gods. I think we can really see this in our world today with people panicking. They have nothing to trust or hope in because their gods are crumbling before them. They have no firm foundation to rest upon in Christ Jesus, but they have trusted in the government that fails them. They trust in themselves that cannot save them or help them when something like a pandemic happens. And so we take seriously this problem of sin and our separation. And in who we are as God's children and who we are as God's people, we have been released from these sins. This is who we are. We are free. We are people who have been brought to the waters of holy baptism, who have been released from our sins, who have been forgiven. Those sins are forgotten, and we rise out of the waters just as Christ has risen from the grave to new life. And that new life is what we now live, and that new life is where we want to challenge who we are and how we walk and in that second week, we especially looked at forgiveness. Again, going back to sin, not to, to beat ourselves up or to make ourselves feel guilty, but to seriously reflect on what is this problem and how has God addressed it. And as we reflect on the problem of sin, we especially see 
the forgiveness of Christ. Because sin, just by itself, is defeating. It is a murderer, right? Sin brings death. But what we see when we see sin so often is how our eyes are immediately turned to the cross of Christ. And not just the cross of Christ, but his empty tomb. And it is here on the cross that Christ is crucified in our place to forgive us our sins, to set us free. And then he rises from death and the grave so that life is given. See, this being, this forgiveness, this forgiving, this all flows out of the empty tomb of Christ and the new life that is given. And then we then change. We begin to be more forgiving, to release people of those, those past sins, letting go of those grudges, letting go of those past hurts, so that more people might be restored. And now we enter the week of serving. And again, you might be a little bit confused why I'm now on the week of serving when many of you are still in the week of forgiving. But again, the point of this is to give you a foundation as you enter the week so that you, you know what's going on as you then personally reflect and grow in your own faith and are challenged. In this week, you will be challenged to serve God and to serve others. But I think it's very helpful to get a good foundation of where this whole idea of service comes from. Why do we want to serve? Why do we care about serving? If our sins are forgiven, why don't we just, just stop there? I mean, we're forgiven. Why do we have to do anything more? And so it's important for us to stop and look at service because another very big thing that we notice is that it's not just Christians who serve, right? Muslims are called to serve. It's one of their pillars of faith. Even those who are agnostic or atheistic, they serve, they serve wonderfully. They do great acts of love. But what's the motivation behind everything? So often, the motivation behind service can even be selfish and sinful. Many will serve in, in false faiths because they think that their God is so vengeful that they have to do things for other people to appease their God. Or they, they, they don't have a God and they are serving themselves by improving their community or by improving things for future generations. It, it doesn't seem very selfish, but when you start looking at it, it really is self-serving. That's a really important thing to also realize about sin is how Martin Luther puts it, is that sin causes us to curve inwardly and think about ourselves. So that good, holy, righteous things like service are even self-serving. But yet, for those of us who have known of our being in, in holy baptism, of our being in the cross of Christ, receiving the forgiveness of God, what is our motivation? And our motivation is that we serve because of the service that has been done for us. It, it flows as a response. It flows as an expression of love and joy. First John, I always come back to this. Our motivation to love is because he has loved us. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he forgave us. We serve because he served us. You see, so many times in this world, so many people think that in religion we have to stop and do all these things to appease God. That we have to do these good works so that God will forgive our sins. 
But the truth of things is that all of this is already done. And who we are in love and service and care for one another flows out of everything that has already been done for us. It's not self-serving. It's not selfish. But it just is. Why do you serve? I don't know. Because I want to love. Because I want to be the presence of God in this world. I want to be a forgiving child who lives in love and in grace. And turning to Scripture, this isn't anything new. Joshua, all the way back in the Old Testament, book number six, if you're counting, look at how he puts it. To walk with God. In the beginning of our reading, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, that I have commanded you. Joshua begins by teaching people and saying, there are examples that have been placed before you in service. Follow their example. And then, especially in, in Joshua 22, verse 5, be careful to observe the commandment that, and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. This is how you do it. To walk with God. You, you love the Lord your God. You walk in all his ways. You keep his commandments. You cling to him and you serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Serve. Love. Cling. Walk. As, uh, as I was reading this and reflecting on this, immediately this caused me to jump to Paul when he is telling the Corinthians to glorify God in their bodies. I've said this before, and it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, uh, the saying, to preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. See, by walking with the Lord, loving him, clinging to him, keeping his commandments, we are living the gospel, living the law, living all that God has called us to do. And it is, it is not something that's just kind of a good feeling, right? But God has actually led us in this. As we turn to Paul in Philippians, he has this beautiful explanation of who Jesus is. And as you look at the book of Philippians, Paul starts off by praising the Philippians for their loving service. You're doing great. You're serving. You're loving. He himself is one of the recipients of that love and service, constantly going to them saying, thank you. And then he reminds them that their love and service flows from God. Because Jesus is the ultimate example to follow. We have the servant leadership of Moses and of Joshua. But look at Jesus. And look at how he has done things. That he humbles himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And while this is not included on this slide, even death on a cross. Because what's the important highlight in that is this, this place of service is humiliating. It is a place of great shame and dishonor. People who were punished by crucifixion were the worst of the worst. These were not the people you wanted to follow. These were people you wanted dead because of how they had harmed and destroyed other people. But Christ, in his humble service is obedient to the point of death even on the cross. And because of that, God exalts him. And this is our example to follow. Not that you need to go kill yourself, but that you need to humbly serve people as you lead people in the gospel message. 
Because not only is this an example for us, but this is our motivation of life. That as Christ has died and is risen, we die and rise to ourselves through the water of holy baptism. We live in that forgiveness that he has won for us, and we serve in that exact same humble service that he led us in. It's not just a gospel message of touchy-feely good stuff. It is power, and it is remarkable. And Jesus, in his own words, gives a strong example of what this looks like with the parable of the Good Samaritan. A parable that many of us are very familiar with because, in reality, it's just, it's a great story, right? We have a man who is in need because he gets beaten by a bunch of robbers who leave him for dead. But then we have two guys who should help him, and they don't. We have a priest and a Levite who should stop and help him, but they don't. Part of the problem is, is they don't want to be unclean. They, they pass by on the other side. They're letting all these other things and all these other excuses get in the way of lovingly serving somebody. But here, this Samaritan comes by. He stops, he helps, binds up his wounds, he puts them on his own animal, he takes him to an inn to recover, to get better, and pays for it all. And what I always remark upon is how he says, here's the payment for what we have already had, I'll be back to pay more if there is more to be paid. This guy goes over and above everything to serve this person. Now, did the robber deserve this? or the robber, excuse me, the man who fell to the robbers. Did he deserve this love and care? Many will argue yes, because he's a person in need. But that didn't come into the mind of the Samaritan who helped him. He just helped. He just served. What was his motivation? We don't know. But Jesus uses him as an example, especially because of who this guy is who's trying to be righteous before Jesus. And he is righteous by quoting right out of uh, right out of Deuteronomy, to love the Lord your God, to love your neighbor as yourself, right out of Leviticus. This is a guy who knows what he's going, what's going on. And so Jesus, to really challenge him and to push him, uses a Samaritan. Because here's a key. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Absolutely despised each other. We hear a later place in scripture of Jesus with the woman at the well. Jesus says, hey, lady, I'm thirsty. Would you give me a drink? And she says, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We have nothing to do with each other. Here, Jesus is again playing on that cultural problem of the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans to lift up somebody who is loving and serving regardless. Because what is being shown in this example? Love your neighbor right, as Jesus highlights, but especially love your enemy. Serve those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. When we look at service and we, when we look at this, this beautiful example from Scripture, we must remember the radical love that we are called to give to the world. That we're not called to just do little things here and there, but to do over and above to give of ourselves, to give everything. This man gave out of his own, his own everything, really. His own supplies to bind up his need, his own animal, giving of his, his comfort and care to care for this man in need. He gives of his own money to pay for this guy. How many of you would go to a hospital and pay somebody's hospital bill? 
This is kind of the idea that's going on. This is the kind of service that we are called to, this huge, radical love that flows from who we are as a baptized child who has been forgiven by God. And God, as we have read through Scripture, right, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, so that nobody boasts. This is not some good work thing. This is God's gift to you. But right after that, Paul highlights that you have been created for good works to walk in these things. You have been redeemed, not so that you do these good works to get, be better before God, but because God has called you to be his representative in the world. He has called you to preach the gospel. And I've said this before, and I will probably say it to the day I die, that your service, you as an individual member or person, loving and serving, motivated by the gospel, preaches better sermons than I could ever do. It is a powerful message where you go and you, you live the command to love your neighbor. And while some of these in the examples in the week of serving are things like visiting the sick and might have to wait on that one for a little bit at this current time and this current setting, but you know we've got cell phones everywhere and you can easily call people. We have people's numbers in the church directory, and you can easily call on them to check on them and see how they're doing in this time of worry. That is a great service to be done. Other things like serving a child. How can you serve a child? Well, I think one of the greatest things that we overlook is being a mentor. That you take your life experience and add it to the life of experience of the child's parents to give them a fuller and better preparation for life. But let me warn you, dear friends, that as this service that you're called to is radical and extreme, you will be bombarded by sin, temptation, and Satan at every step. Because this is exactly what all of that doesn't want to happen. And that sin will be in your own heart to help you find any and every excuse possible to not serve. I, I, I can't afford to fill up one of those, those baby bottles that we have at the door. I can't afford to fill up one of those with a spare change that's been sitting in my office for six months. I just can't afford it right now. We'll make any and every excuse. And I'm not trying to say I'm better than you because I do this too. On Friday, somebody went into the hospital, and, and because my week schedule was off, I was taking Friday off. And through my mind, no, I'm not going to go see them. They'll, they'll still be there on Saturday. No, they'll, they're just going to go home in a couple of days. I'll just go and see them there. No, it's my day off, you know. I need to rest. I can find any and every excuse to not do this loving service. And simply what we got to do is we got to, I don't, I can't think of a better image, but to put on the holy boot and kick ourselves in the rear to get out the door and do these works. To push ourselves, to, uh, to say to ourselves, these excuses are ridiculous because I, I can't afford to give of my time, of myself, of my, of my money. I can do this. Why am I trying to find an excuse to not? This is the loving service. The walk is to fight those temptations and those excuses and to just do, to be God's people. 
But each step must begin with prayer. Asking for God's powerful spirit for help. Asking for God to lead you in service. Because these are the prayers that he 100% answers. Because he wants you to be his representative. You are not doing these things to try and appease him, to make him love you more. But he has called you by the gospel to be his servants, to partner with him. What a humbling thing that is, that the God of all creation, of all power, has chosen you to serve his people, to be his instrument of love and grace in this world. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to love and serve. Amen? Amen. Amen.